The following program has been furnished and paid for by Kevin Seven Financial Services, and KSCV is not responsible for its content or the products or services offered. Welcome to Your Finances with Kevin Seven here on KSEV, a show about finance and retirement planning. And now, here's your host, Kevin Coogley. Hello and welcome to the show. This is about your finances. The name of the show is Your Finances here on KSEV 700 AM. We are here every Wednesday starting at about 6.05 PM, so whenever you're Riding home or driving home in the traffic, thank you for tuning in. You can also find us if you like something you heard and you want to go back and re-listen to it. We are on most of the podcasts that are out there, YouTube being the biggest one. Then you got Spotify, then Apple Podcasts, and some people have Google Podcasts. If that's going away at the end of the year, it's all going to be on YouTube, but you can type in Kevin7, K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7, and you should be able to find us and hear a replay. We've got 19, 20 episodes so far. And we have three ways that you can contact us. Right now, you can contact us live on the air. 281-558-KSEV. That's 281-558-5738. We can take your personal finance call. We talk about the markets, the economy, and personal finance, financial planning. Also, that's the first way. You can contact us on the air. Also, you can schedule an appointment, 877-KEVIN-7. That's K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7. And you can call that number, schedule an appointment. I'll even throw the email out there. If you'd like to email us, I'll make it simple for you. I'll give you my personal email. It's Kevin, K-E-V-I-N, at Kevin7, K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7.com. So those are three ways that you can contact us. But yeah, if you think that you have a, a question that other people would benefit from about your personal finances, the markets, or the economy, we'd love to have it share with the audience. Some people might have the same question that you may have on personal finances. So feel free again to call in live here at KSEV 700 AM. The number is 281 558 5738. Last four digits is KSEV on that if you ever wanted to dial it from your phone. Yeah, we are in it for the long run when we talk about the stock market. And boy. Yeah, what happened? I, I'm, let me ask you Microsoft did something today yes. that caused. Go ahead. You that might have been the only thing that was up today. Microsoft had a good day, released earnings. Microsoft has had the fastest Azure is their cloud part of their operation, and they had their highest growth ever. And it was up their their growth for the cloud Azure for Microsoft is up twenty nine percent. That's how much their revenue was up. They're gaining market share on the cloud, but unfortunately, there was other stocks, many stocks. That did bad today. Yeah. Google had the slowest growth of the cloud that it's had in two years. It was up around it's 22%. So 
Pretty tough day on the market. If you look at today's performance, the NASDAQ had one of its worst days. It was down nearly 2.47%. The S&P 500, which is usually the index that we talk about most on the Your Finances Kevin Seven Show, it was down nearly 1.5%. The Dow's off a little bit. Not as bad as the other two indexes. So... A lot of the turmoil in the Middle East has still got investors agitated. And so hopefully there's not going to be any contagion in the war over in the Middle East. By that, I mean, you don't want to have Lebanon getting involved. You don't want to have Iran getting involved. These are all things that factor in. That's making the markets jittery. Earnings, though, for the most part, have been good, even though Google... What, what the real name of the company, I still call it Google. It's technical. They're traded under the alphabet. Their symbol is still G-O-O-G. But this is one of the worst days that I've ever seen for this stock. Wow. It was down 9.6% today. Do you have people calling you that, that, that belong with you already? have said, what's going on over there? Do you get calls like that? Like something for today, somebody probably at least gets through to you and says, what's going on? Actually, no. Most of my clients, they know that they're in it for the long run, and they're not calling me on stocks today because, as I said, back in mid-September, we are moving people out. We have moved everybody out of stocks. They're sitting in cash for the stock portion of their portfolio. So we are more hands-on when it comes to stocks and try to limit the downside. We did this last year, did it again this year in September. Last year, we saved people about 5%. We don't leave people out of stocks for long because in the long run that you are going to be better off being in stocks. That's why if you're in stocks, even though it was a pretty bad day today in the market, you know, you're in it for the long run. You're going to be better off in the U.S. stock market than any other investment choice out there, including real estate. Now, obviously, you should diversify. And by diversify, I mean don't over-diversify. Diversify means, as well, we have seven different stocks. That's where the name comes from with Kevin's Seven. It's seven different stocks. Kind of acts like its own mutual fund in a way. And we put people in that. And so they're not over-diversified. When you are over-diversified, it will hurt your performance. And it is a very, very common for most investors out there, on the retail side anyway, to have over-diversification. And by that, I mean they have 25-plus mutual funds. And each mutual fund usually has 25 to 55 different stocks. But you can't. You can't be really an expert, be involved in 50 or 75 different things. That's a Noah's way arc. Noah's arc way of investing. You end up with a zoo that way. As an investor, people should put a meaningful amount of their money into a few things. And on the stock portion, we limit that to about 14% into each stock. And it works it has worked fantastically over the past 15 years. So over-diversification is a bad thing. You need to have some diversification, but you don't want to be over-diversified because it will hurt your performance. So 
over a long period of time, as we say, you're going to be fine in the stock market if you are have some good investment management, or even if you've just done it in the S&P 500, a lot of people in their retirement plans, they only have, uh, they have few investment choices. Now you have more and more. And your employer retirement plan, typically something that's the equivalent of the S&P 500, which is the Standard & Poor's 500 largest stocks, they have outperformed any other investment choice, U.S. stocks, then most invest any investment choice that I'm aware of that's out there, right? So if you have that as an option, now the key is if you want to have even better performance, you want to outperform the S&P 500, it's the standard what they call a benchmark. So money managers, they judge themselves by usually S&P 500 if they are, you know, they, you can get more technical into different sectors or different kinds of sizes and styles but for the main stock market index used to people talk about the Dow Jones Industrial Average but now it's more broad we use the S&P 500 as the benchmark and with that what you want to do if you have managed money or somebody managing that for you they should be outperforming the S&P 500 you would think or otherwise you just invest directly in the index right and we have here at Kevin 7, we have outperformed the S&P 500 index consistently over the last 15 years. Be more than happy to show you that on a Zoom call. You can go to kevin7.com, schedule an appointment, or call 877-KEVIN-7. So that's why we invest, one of the many reasons why we limit it to seven for the stock side. Now, we're just talking stocks, right? There's other investment choices out there. And we like to keep it simple, right? There seems to be some perverse human characteristic that likes to make easy things difficult. And with that, you have business Schools that typically, they reward complex behavior. Occam's Razor states that all things being equal, the simplest solution is the best. So what we are trying to do here with this show is educate you, maybe show you a new perspective, and yet try to keep it simple. We can go into details, but as long as you see different way of doing things and we do a lot of things different as long as you see something that might help you hey, it's worth it for you to listen to the show so kevin seven we keep it simple with seven different stocks that's part of the asset allocation we're just talking about the stock portion of the asset allocation there's another part of the asset allocation there's a couple of more two or three more uh -huh. i'm waiting for it yeah, you got fixed income, or traditionally, people have used bonds for fixed income. There are two other options that are pretty good for fixed income. And with fixed income, what you're usually trying to do, you're trying to offset, you know, build more diversification outside of stocks. So with fixed income, most people have used, most advisors have used bonds. Another fantastic way, bonds didn't, the 60-40 didn't work last year. Now, what the heck is the 60-40? 60% stocks, 40% bonds. That's the average stock 
port stock bond portfolio on Wall Street. 60% of your money goes into stocks, 40% of it into bonds. That blew up last year, meaning it went down, right? The stocks, most stocks went down last year. Bonds? How about bonds right they now? They did as well. Bonds went down yeah. last year, and they've continued to go down this year. So bond mutual funds, whenever the value of a bond goes down, that has a negative effect on bond mutual funds. So that means that 40% goes down as well if you're in bond mutual funds. That's why we like to use something different for that fixed income section. Ah. From time to time over the last two, three years, we've been using structured notes or indexed annuities. With a structured note, you can get 100% downside protection potentially or you could have your potential on the downside limited with a structured note. An indexed annuity, all indexed annuities, they are created by insurance companies, and they protect your principal on the downside so that you will not lose money. There's a trade-off between structured notes and indexed annuities or any other investment choice. That's why it's important you find a financial advisor that can clearly explain to you the trade-offs so that you know what you're going into. You want to always make sure you understand what you have or what it is that you're looking to go into. With structured notes, you can have 100% of the downside protected, but that's going to limit the upside. They can be linked. A market-linked structured note with principal protection can be linked to something like the S&P 500. But you're not going to get 100% of the upside of the S&P 500. You'll either participate in it or you'll have it capped. So that is the trade-off. And some people, oftentimes a lot of people, are all right with that trade-off. They'll need 100% exposure into stocks. They want the protection on the downside so they can be principally protected. Structured note is created by an investment bank. What's an investment bank? Well, an investment bank is a company, big company. You've heard these names like Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, RBC, JP Morgan, BNP Paribas. So these are all different investment banks that create structured notes and or construct structured notes. And depending on what you want, they have they, being the investment banks, create these, and they have a calendar that comes out twice a month of standard issues of different ways that people can invest and go into a structured note. So, unique concept, hopefully, that you've never heard before that you can invest in, potentially, for the fixed income portion. If you want to do it for the fixed income portion, you'd want more so limited downside protection or 100% downside protection. And so the trade-off in that in an index annuity, usually these structured notes, they have a longer, a shorter term. What do I mean by term? That's how long you own the note or kind of like a CD. If you had a one-year CD, you would keep your money in that for a year. Structured notes, the, the ones that typically I use with clients are anywhere from maybe a year to three years. So year, three years is what you'd want to expect to put your money into, although they go longer, but the ones that I just typically use. Again, I like to keep it simple, right? So either do them for a year or three years. So the, so, tra the trade-off, 
Well, real quick, the trade-off between that and a <laughs> and an index annuity is the index annuity has a minimum term of five years. So you have to leave your money in an indexed annuity five years, and then you know a structured note can be less or even longer. But yeah, please go ahead, Gary. With your question. This Johnson that is now the the House Speaker, and then the Dow Falls. Would that have any kind of similarity? Have, have they nominated? Did they? Did, is he in there now? Well, I don't or is know. Is he just sure. nominated? Is, I don't know that he's voted in. No, really. Well, so, yeah, it's, it creates – the market does not like instability. They don't like instability in government. They don't like uh, – in, in the U.S. government, uh, the stock market doesn't even like oh, – by the way, these companies, these large companies that we have, yeah. they are S&P 500 companies, and they are based in America, most of them, right? So all of them, actually, they're, they're traded on the U.S. stock exchange. But you think about these companies. They're pretty, particularly the Googles and the Apples of the world. They're pretty global, and they've got billions of customers. And they lost billions of dollars today. They did but in market cap. That's not a yeah. lot of money, though, really, to them, is it? <laughs> well, <laughs> market know. caps, they actually, the funny thing about it is, so this is the difference between earnings and market cap. What the heck is the difference between earnings? So Google actually had strong earnings that came out. So they beat expectations, meaning Wall Street. You know, Wall Street has all these analysts. And they usually call it consistent, con, consens, cons, consensus, consensus, consensus. I can't even say that word right. Consensus earnings. So they beat the consensus earnings, which you would think would have a good effect on the Google or Alphabet stock. Uh, no, it didn't. It's uh, There was a market share that, as I mentioned, the only thing that I can really see that as far as company performance hurt mm-hmm. Alphabet or Google was that they've had a drop in their cloud share price. So that's earnings. But the market cap, what is market cap? That is essentially the value that Wall Street assigns to a company. So as more people buy Microsoft, as they did today, Microsoft was up over 3% today. As more people buy Microsoft, the market capitalization or the value of Microsoft goes up. So more people bought Microsoft today. So therefore, they added probably a few billion on, we can, you can look this up. Right, you could see that the market cap fluctuates every day with the stock price. So Microsoft had billions added onto their market cap today because they were up significantly. And yes, Gary, you are correct by saying that Google, even though they reported earnings and they beat consist- consensus estimates, even though that happened, they lost billions in market cap today. They their their stock G O O G Alphabet lost thirteen points today, which is about nine point six percent. But again, even over a long period of time, this still doesn't have too much of an effect. The stock is for Google Alphabet is still up over the last three months, nearly four percent. So we call these mega cap stocks. They're worth a couple of trillion dollars. That's just unfathomable to believe, but that's how much the the Wall Street or people who buy into these individual companies, they value that stock in the trillions. 
So that's the difference between market cap and earnings. So yes, they made money, but yes, their market cap lost money. We're going to break. It sounds yeah. like somebody turned that on. Okay, we'll Yo, be right back. Call us at 281-558-5738. Having a hard time knowing what kind of income you may expect in retirement? Kevin Seven is a financial planning firm. We take you from financial confusion to financial confidence. A financial plan takes into account what you're making, spending, and saving, and forecasts that into the future. Call us at 877-KEVIN-7. That's 877-538-4677. We can schedule an appointment for you via Zoom, phone, or even in person. Or visit us on our website at kevin7.com, K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7.com. Phone lines are open now. Call 281-558-5738. That's 281-558-KSEV. Welcome back to the show. We are talking about personal finances, and you may call us at 281-558-5738. We are here live on 700 AM KSEV. Try to give you a fresh perspective on investments, the economy, and what are going on in the markets. Some people have been saying, how do you help me with my 401k? And what do you tell them? Well, we can give you direction on that. And it just depends on where you're at, how old you are, if it's a former previous 401k or from a previous employer, or if it's a current 401k. So there's many different variables that go into Taking a look at your 401k, is is it wise for you like it is for you, Gary? We've spoken a little bit about your personal retirement plan, and it is a wise thing for you to just keep it there keep it. That's in the what I'm doing. 401k. That's what I wanted to know. So yes. I'll, I'll, I've been in there 20 years. I might as well go another year or keep two. It, keep it going. And the reason being, for Gary or anybody else in particular, if you don't have to deal with RMDs inside of your employer retirement account, if you're over the age of 73, the IRS makes you take out something called an RMD, a required minimum distribution. And that is for true for any traditional 401k or traditional 403b or traditional 457. Wow, that's a lot of numbers. But that's the retirement accounts that are generally out there. Now, there might be, there's a few out there that are, those are the major three retirement plan for, retirement plans for employers. Traditionally, or a traditional 401k, traditional 403b, traditional 457, that's a government one. So that you 
leave it in if you're still working beyond the age of 73 so that you don't have to take the RMD, your employer retirement plan. You do not have to take an RMD in a traditional 401k, 403b, or 457. Right Now, when you retire, that changes. You can take a look, meaning terminate or you leave the position that you're in. You can look at going into a, an IRA. And if it's a traditional 401k, for an example, you can roll it to a traditional IRA. And a lot of people, they have both. Now, we see clients come in, they have both, with the same employer, they have both the traditional 401k and the Roth 401k, which is, meaning they need to, once they retire, leave that employer, or they, they, they want to move that into an IRA. You have to have it set up correctly with a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA. So very important to make sure that your money does not get switched around. So you always want to have a financial advisor or somebody who can guide you to make the appropriate decision, whatever that may be. Everybody has a different kind of uh, situation usually. So we can speak to that in specifics if you ever want to call us at 877-KEVINS-7. 877-KEVINS with an S in there and the number 7. Where we can chat with you on a Zoom call if you like. If, you're not, if you don't want to call up and ask the question on the air, you may do that. You can. Call up to 281-558-5738. That's K-S-E-V, the last four digits. Be more than happy to chat with you about any particular situation that you might have. It might apply to somebody else. You never know. It could be got, helping somebody else. I got taxes and penalties uh, coming in to this thing. How does that apply to all of this stuff that we've been talking about, taxes and penalties? Yes. Uh, the IRS incentivizes people to keep their money in the retirement accounts until the age of 59 and a half in most cases. Not, not all, but most cases. So that they, they will penalize anybody before the age of 59 and a half on a lot of these traditional account, traditional employer retirement accounts. So they use that as an incentive to not take the your retirement money out too early because they will penalize a 10% penalty. And don't forget, if you have a traditional retirement account, whether it be a traditional IRA or a traditional 401k, that money is growing tax deferred. You don't want to pay a 10% penalty by taking that out early prior to the age of the magic age of 59 and a half. There used to be two magic ages, the magic age of 59 and a half, then 70 and a half. And with the SECURE Act recently passed last year and signed into law, they have pushed down the road from 70 and a half to the age of 73 when people must take their RMDs out of a traditional retirement account. And by traditional, I mean you're putting the money in pre-tax. A Roth, you're putting the money in or you're contributing or your employer is sending the money to your retirement account, whether it be Fidelity or Vanguard or Empower. Those are the largest employer retirement plan providers. And the money either goes dollar for dollar. That would be 
going from your payroll dollar. One dollar goes in as one dollar into the traditional 401k. So there's no, you're not paying tax on it going in, which is a huge benefit. You get the immediate benefit of one dollar equaling a dollar when you put it in your retirement plan as a traditional. Now, if you wanted to do a Roth, it's not a dollar for dollar. You're going to have to pay it with after-tax dollars. So one dollar, if you're just to make it simple, if it, you're in having seventy percent, if you're in the thirty percent tax bracket, right? Uh, one dollar from your paycheck goes in as seventy cents because you're paying the thirty percent in taxes on that money going in. So everything's a trade-off. Like we said, with investing, there's trade-offs in this packaging that we're talking about. That packaging being the Roth versus traditional retirement account. And the trade-off is not as advantageous going in on a Roth because you are paying with after-tax dollars. You don't get the immediate benefit like the traditional. But so what's the trade-off? Well, it's bad going in to the Roth. Not as good as the traditional, I should say. The benefit is that you don't have to pay a penny well. of income taxes on a Roth whenever that money comes out. And that's including if you don't retire in Texas, you in Texas, Tennessee, Nevada, New Hampshire, Washington. Oh. Those are four or five states, right, that do not have a state income tax. Florida's another one. Mm. So Ooh. Those also all those states do not have a state income tax. Now, if you move to a in your retirement to a higher or a, a state that has a state income tax like California, Ooh, you one. still don't have to pay a penny in income taxes on a Roth. So the odds are in favor that taxes will be higher in the future to some degree because we're still at one of the lower tax rates. So if, if you think that taxes are going to be higher in the future, then a Roth would be more appropriate because you're paying less taxes today as the money is going in. Again, the benefit, Einstein said, the most powerful entity in the universe is the power of compounding. And that's why these retirement accounts, no matter which you do, their traditional retirement account or a Roth retirement account, you have that tax-deferred compounding going on inside of those retirement accounts. The difference is the taxation going in or contributing or the taxation coming out or when you're distributing. So really, you know, you can think of when, whenever you're going in, you're looking at retirement assets. You can go through the accumulation phase. That's when you're contributing and you want your retirement accounts to grow. And then down the road, you'll switch at some point to the distribution phase. That's when we set up your retirement account and send the monthly distribution to your checking account so that you can use that as a supplement to your Social Security. And if you have a pension, you can use that as a supplement to your Social Security and pension. And unfortunately today, there's not that many pensions that are left like there were in the day with corporate America. Corporate America, the big corporations didn't like the liability of having to pay a pension payment out. It's called, the technical term is called a defined benefit plan. I've never heard of that one. 
Yeah, define. Yeah, it's because you never read the small print on your statements. Nobody does. Well, <laughs> you should. I know. Yeah, you should. And it's you're, some, something that's sold by prospectus. You know, they, they usually have it summarized now. I don't believe they do that for defined benefit plans. That's why you always, it's the, the value of a, having a financial advisor to help you and guide you through this, just to explain some of the confusing terminology out there. The Russell Investment Group did a they did a survey on and to try to figure out what the value of an advisor for 2022 was, and they, it came out as 5.4 percent. And it ranges anything from behavioral coaching to financial planning, tax planning. And so back in the day, Schwab, Charles Schwab used to make fun of financial advisors and all this kind of stuff, which is really irritating to people like me who've been in the industry since 97. Now, guess what they're doing? They are hiring financial advisors. And Fidelity did this survey and found out the value of a financial advisor is it can almost, in some cases, double somebody's assets within 14 years. That's the value over a longer period of time of having a financial advisor. So all these major institutions, they have hired financial advisors. And Fidelity, I believe, was the first non-financial advisor fund firm that did it. They made the mutual fund famous, right? And then they became the largest player by far in the retirement plan. They call them... Um, a plan sponsor is a technical term. Yeah, so Fidelity, Empowers, another big one, Vanguard. They are the provider for your employer. And yeah, they, so they have the 800 numbers that you can call into, and then they'll direct you to a financial advisor potentially. So there is a ton of advantages of hiring. Somebody, we talk about this, and you hear this in our little blurbs whenever we take a break, but you want somebody with experience, and you want somebody that has credentials, and the reason for those two is ultimately it's all about results, and it's about the financial advisor's judgment ability. Uh, You want to have somebody show you the results, and... We can show you the results here if you ever want to call in. We can show you the results on a Zoom call or in person. But you may call 877-KEVINS-7-K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7, kevin7.com. We'll take one other break and come right back. KSEV. There are three things you need to know when choosing a financial advisor. Number one, experience. Number two, credentials. And number three, judgment ability. I have over 27 years experience in the industry. I am a chartered retirement planning counselor, CRPC, and an MBA. Although past performance doesn't guarantee future results, we can show you that we've delivered results that double the S&P 500. Don't hesitate, call us at 877-KEVIN-7 or visit us on our website, K-E-V-I-N-S, the number 7.com. 
folks, we got a big problem out there with a bunch of pro-Democrat Republicans. But about those Democrats, Beijing Biden's regime is hiring a bunch of folks who support America's enemies, like Hamas, like the number one state sponsor of terrorism, Iran. Here's the indignity. You're paying the salaries for a bunch of folks who sympathize with America's enemies. We talk about it with Kosh Patel on The Chris Salcedo Show. See at 7 o'clock after Lance on AM 700 KSEV, the voice of Texas. Phone lines are open now. Call 281-558-5738. That's 281-558-KSEV. All right, and we are back. We have a caller. Dave has a question about uh, Roth. Go ahead, Dave. You're on the air. Uh, yes, so my question is, I have um, some investments in the S&P 500 for safety, but I also have some investments in some dividend-paying stocks. But my question is, um, when, um, when is, how do you know when to sell a stock? Yeah, thanks for the question, Dave. You mentioned you had the S&P 500 for safety. You mentioned safety. Why is it that you said you have your funds in the S&P 500 for, for safety? It's just that it's uh, more diverse. Yes, yeah. It does give you diversification. Therefore, it'd be better to have that diversification than be in any one individual stock. So, yeah, that would be safer than going into, say, just Google, right? We mentioned Google just went down. Golly, it went down over 9% today. The S&P 500 wasn't down that much. So that's a classic example of, yeah, why it would be safer. So how old, how old are you, Dave? I'm currently 34 years old. 34. And so you're, you've got the money in a Roth. What is it, a Roth retirement plan, you said? Or yes. IRA? Yes. So that's good. Yeah, that's fantastic. You, being in your 30s, you're not going to be using that for several years until the age of 59 and a half. And so you can be more aggressive. Now, in an, from an asset allocation perspective, right, not looking at individual stocks, from an asset allocation perspective, an aggressive growth, something, we've seen that. If, if, if I were to ask you, Dave, on a scale of one to five, one being the most conservative, five being the most aggressive for your Roth account, where do you think that you would fall on that scale? I'd say a five because yes. I am max, my I am uh, maxing out my Roth um, um, every year. Fantastic, yeah. So that would be that 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 five, and that's where I would assume that you would want to be. That's the most aggressive from an asset allocation perspective, right? If you were sixty or in your sixties, I would say, oh wait, now you say you're at five. Well, do you have other income sources? But now you're in the accumulation phase, like we said earlier, from an asset allocation perspective. That means you, you can go 100% into stocks as a five or aggressive growth. And so you do have within that stock, 100% stocks, right? You're diversifying within the S&P 500. So I think that's a fine place for somebody in their 30s to be because – you're going to be using that money down the road. So you're going to continue to contribute so long as you're... Are you contributing to a Roth 401k or is it a Roth IRA? 
Um, it's a it's a Roth, but I'll, I've also have my employer's um, um, 401k that I'm also contributing to. Okay, so your 401k is that a traditional 401k, or do you remember the word Roth on it? It's, it's a Roth 401k. Okay, great. So you're maxing out. Well, you're you're contributing to your Roth retirement plan, your Roth 401k, and then you're contributing to the Roth IRA. Fantastic. How, uh, what, what's the percentage of your income that you're contributing to your Roth 401k? Um, Roth 401k, Roth 401k, you said? Uh huh. Uh, it was, it was at 15%, but I, I dropped it down to 10%. Okay. 15% is fantastic if for both accounts. If, if you have a f- now, the, here's the advantage of a Roth 401k versus a Roth IRA, and you're pretty wise to do what you're doing. You've got the Roth 401k, right? You're doing 10%, and I don't know what the percentage works out to be for your the percentage of your income that's going into your Roth IRA, but that's man, that's following right along with we we're, we partner with Dave Ramsey Solutions. And baby step number four, you're nailing it. It said do 15%. So I'm assuming you're probably between both your Roth 401k and your Roth IRA, you're pretty close to 15%. So what's the difference? Why not do everything in your Roth 401k versus your Roth IRA? Well, you've got two going, and that's not such a bad thing because with a Roth 401k, you're limited to investment choices, and you're, usually it's only going to be mutual funds. We talk quite often about, I usually bring it up once per show, about structured notes. So within a Roth IRA, you can do something called a structured note, or you can go into individual stocks. You're not, or you could go into a private equity, potentially a direct participate, direct participation plan. So, the the point I'm trying to make here is that within, I, I love what you're doing. You're contributing to your Roth 401k. You're contributing to a Roth IRA, and you have other, you have virtually unlimited choices in an IRA. Whereas typically you're locked into a Roth 401k, whatever. The plan provider lists as mutual funds. You just can't pick a mutual fund or a stock out of the air and invest that in your 401k, but you can inside of your Roth IRA or any IRA for that matter. So fantastic. Keep doing what you're doing. You've got that for your retirement accounts. And the only other thing is if you max out the plans, and I don't know if you're close to maxing it out, but you you want to make it... Look at your cash flow over the course of a year, and you don't want to wind up having a bunch of extra money sitting in your savings account that you could have potentially put in a retirement account because the advantage of the retirement is accounts are that you don't have to pay 1099s on them. There's no capital gain or dividend taxes. Right? So you have that uh those two different accounts that you're putting in. But if you say you had money sitting at the end of the year in a non-retirement account that you still, well, maybe I should have put more. There's always other an option. We typically like you can go into a a non-qualified deferred annuity 
for any extra funds that you have that you still want to put aside until the age of 59 and a half. And that's, you can go into something like an S&P 500 mutual fund inside of a non-qualified deferred annuity. That's just for money that people have sitting in a savings account or they're not going to use it until retirement. They should take a strong look at a non-qualified deferred annuity because you don't want to pay taxes on money that you're not using. So you put that money aside in a retirement account, particularly if you're not going to use it before the age of 59 and a half. So that was a lot. Dave, you probably got more bargain what you wanted for. But thank you so much for the question. And that's, uh, I'm sure a lot of other people had that question. Anything else while you got you on the line there? And I've also got an HSA. Uh, my employer is matching. So once it hits $1,000, I'm able to um, invest that into a, kind of like, a, um, kind of convert it into like an investment type uh a fund, you know, the HSA. Oh, yeah, that's fantastic. HSAs are fantastic. They started, I don't know, about 20 years ago. They just started rolling those out. And yeah, your money goes in there pre-tax from your payroll. And once you hit a certain level, you can invest in mutual funds. And you got to have a high deductible health insurance plan in order to set up an HSA. But for people who are doing it the right way, like you've you're doing it, Dave, the 15%, near 15% that you're putting in there. And yes, for if you have a high deductible health insurance plan, that HSA is a fantastic way that uh, you can use that kind of like a savings account, right? Um, and then you can put it in mutual funds, as you said, in a, in a and once you hit a certain level, and it'll continue to grow, and it grows tax-deferred. So... And it'll always be there for you to use. And it's a fantastic alternative, too, for long-term care. Long-term care is something that people need down the road towards the end of their life. And there's long-term care ex policies people can buy. You know, but once you get up there in age, those long-term care policies get expensive. So, yes, an HSA, fantastic way for you to have extra money set aside that has grown to potentially higher value, and you can use that for medical expenses. So, doing well, Dave. Anything else that you got? And I'm, I'm just wondering, um, I do have some individual stocks um, that I'm invested in, but uh, and that paid, that paid dividends as well. But I just want to know, like, how, do I, how would I know when to sell a stock? Well, I'll give you an example. We do, I look at two things when in regards to stock. I look at fundamental analysis. That's the earnings that a stock, you know, will show and what the future earnings will potentially bring. High P.E. ratios, price to earnings, that's usually not the dividend stocks like you're talking about. They are growth stocks and they will, they've done a heck of a lot better than the value stocks or low P.E. value stock is a low P.E. ratio. Aside from that, there's certain, you know, looking at the tech, that's, uh, there's something called technical analysis too. We look at trends and where we think the markets are going to be headed. Now, I did this last year. We moved people out of the stock market in 2022 because the Fed, you never fight the Fed. The Fed was advertising it in neon all over the news that they were going to raise rates. And when people, see that they're raising rates, like or a financial advisor like me sees they're going to raise rates, that's potentially a time to move money out of the market. At some point, it'll stabilize, and then you have to get in. Over a long period of time, somebody like young like you 
They are fine. You know, we're just trying, even me as a financial advisor, when I move somebody out of stocks like we did at the beginning of last year, we moved people back in. We moved people out in September of this year. September is traditionally the worst, one of the worst months in the market, right? You got September, June, and February. So you look at the technical analysis, you look at the fundamental analysis, you look at what the Fed is doing, and that can give you an idea of when to move in or out of stocks. And all you should be trying to do when you're doing this is maybe add four to five percent return per year, right? If you're doing, if you're adding net three to five, three, four, five percent a year by just moving in and out short temporarily, you want to be in the stock market as somebody like you, young, 90 percent of the time, right? So these are just little tweaks that might they call the technical term for this is adding alpha. And so we want to add alpha. We got this Kevin Seven portfolio that we developed, and it, it's, it's outperformed the S&P 500. The alpha is the performance above the S&P 500. So anything else there, Dave? That's it. All right. Thanks so much for asking the question and calling in. Love the conversation. See, Gary, it's very helpful that people call in and they can add to the conversation. We love having people add to the conversation. And he's a young caller, too. I yes. mean, I w- at that age, I didn't know anything about anything, and I, I just started 20 years ago. But it, better late than never. Get started as young as you can. There's no limit. That's right. It's never too, never too early to get started. I also say it's never too late to get started. The thing is, you just got to get started. Dave's done a fantastic job. I mean, you're getting in there at 15% at that age, and you can consistently do that throughout your working career. You'll have millions. Uh, you have a million plus, easy, inside of your retirement accounts whenever you retire. So, you know, just some tweaks here and there, potentially. We always recommend that people do a financial plan. What would be really cool is if you have a financial plan or somebody like Dave does a financial plan, you can put all of the numbers in there. You can connect all of your accounts from any bank institution or we were talking about a retirement employer, retirement plan provider. You can connect all of your accounts into the financial planning software and it will show you the probability of you getting that income stream in retirement. The income, people traditionally these days, they have an asset problem more so than an income problem. So what at some point you'll have to look at is converting that asset stream. If you're at retirement or near retirement, you got to take that asset base or those balances and figure out a way to make that into an income stream. And again, it goes back to the financial plan. We got to see what you what you have, what you're making, what you're spending, and forecast that into the future. We run it till the age of age 90. If you have a long life expectancy, we can get it up over 100. My grandmom's going to turn 100 this year. So good for her. You want to look. Yeah, you'll want to look. I don't know if I'll live that long, but... <laughs> We'll see, but yeah, I would, I would, somebody like me or my mom in particular, I would run it because it's her mom. We would run it out to beyond ninety. So your immediate parent, if you have a parent that lives to a hundred, you'll want to do a financial plan and have the end date at least to a hundred, so that you can see what kind of an income stream that you will need. And again, it's it's about converting those assets into the income stream because the major issue that people have today is having those assets. How do you make it into an income stream? A lot of people don't have a pension plan. We can create some 
something that looks like or works as a private pension plan. And these insurance companies do a fantastic job with it in the form of creating, and that's just one possibility, right? And insurance company or individual stock distribution. Some people can live on dividends, right? The, 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 the whole key, though, is to get you the income that you need. We want you to make sure that you have your essential payments covered first. And hopefully that's with some kind of stable guaranteed income. If not, we can create a stable guaranteed income to meet those essential payments. And then anything above that is discretionary. You know, that we have your meet your essential payments and then you have stuff for vacations, going out to eat, whatever it is that you would like to do in your retirement. And but all of that is mapped out on the financial plan so that you can get a strong confidence heading into retirement as to what it is that needs to happen. And it'll give you the percentage probability of how it's going to happen. So, again, it's all about financial planning. That's the basis. Know where you're headed. Call us at 877-KEVIN-7. Please look us up on podcasts. Again, Kevin7. Great show, Gary. Appreciate your help. My pleasure. Have a good night. See you next Wednesday. Electric Avenue. Electric Avenue. Thanks for listening to Your Finance with Kevin Seven. If you have a question for Kevin during the week, you can call him at 877-KEVINS, the number seven. Or his website is K-E-V-I-N-S, the number seven, dot com. And join us again next Wednesday at 6 p.m. for Your Finances with Kevin Seven. Kevin Coogley is a registered representative with securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.